welcome to another episode of Football Asides. I'm your host, Glow. And joining me, long-awaited return, is Dan. Dan, how are you? Doing well, thanks, Glow. It's good to be back. We've had windstorms. We've had the winter on surge. And uh, we're, we're battling through, aren't we? Here we are finally recording another episode. Yes, um, for the listeners, uh, this is a third attempt to record this episode because technology is was not offering the last two attempts. So fingers crossed for this one. Yeah, no, but it's funny. I was thinking about it afterwards. Like after I was frustrated, the initial anger subsided, and you know the episode didn't work. I was thinking about it. I was, you know what? Two people can meet during a pandemic, have never met in person, and can form a podcast during the time of a worldwide pandemic i mean it's it's pretty good and we haven't had too many hiccups have we yeah exactly all things considered just counting all the wins and it feels a little bit better um before we get on to the topic of our pod today i did want to uh, have a moment to pour one out for the passing of a very dear person in the football community um on October 23rd, uh, we lost Derek Grove, who's the co-host of the Total Soccer Show. And given that I've truly so met, sad, yeah. I've met Daryl and Taylor probably one time when they did a show, uh, DC United, but I'm a, I was a very religious listener and they are a group of people or a show that really brought me into the community. And I always enjoyed that takes. I thought they just... I don't know, when I started getting into football podcasting, they were my frame of reference. It's like, if I ever do a show, that's what I want it to sound like. I want it to be kind, but I also want it to be analytical. And I want to do the topics that I want to do. So, I don't know, it's uh, one of the many L's we're taking this year. But if you've not checked out the Total Soccer Show, they're amazing. They are mostly, um, they do a wonderful job, especially covering American soccer, as well as all the rest of the world but i think that's their specialty no it's a great uh it's a great pod for sure and i remember glow when we were discussing how to form this podcast that was the first one you mentioned and and it's a great reminder you know uh, there still is obviously a lot of hardship going on uh both locally in our two countries canada and usa but also just in general around the world and we hope that in some way shape, shape or form our little podcast can can bring a little bit of light to your day and uh hopefully you guys enjoy this episode Thank you. Let's get on with this episode. On this week's uh, episode, we are talking about transfers, more of a review and update. So the transfers from the summer, who's impressed us, who are we still excited to see come to fruition, and all that good stuff. With that, uh, before we get started on that, uh, anything you wanted to note in the football happenings of the world today? So much, eh? So much. I mean... Ibra is still doing bits. Uh, gosh, I think we're going to discuss it later. The Champions League match, the early kickoff today just ended. Uh, Manchester United, Istanbul, Beşiktaş here. Uh, for those who haven't heard that episode on uh, Turkish football with our, our special guest Josh from a, a few months ago, definitely check it out. He discussed Istanbul, Beşiktaş here and uh, their rise to their first title last season. So definitely an interesting match to see that they just played uh, Man U today. Glow, I know you're a huge Man U fan. How you doing? It literally just ended 15 minutes ago or so. Honestly, I don't know because, again, as we're recording this, we're also, I'm US-based, so we're also um, a nail-biter of an election. So in many ways, 
I'm doing well on the yes. football front because I'm like, ah, oh, look at this other big calamity that's coming our way. So yeah. <laughs> that's so that's I know there's only so much the brain can take right now. Hey. Yeah, exactly. Prioritizing my L's and fortunately for my football brain, there's no space to truly process that. <laughs> Absolutely. No, for sure. Um, well, I, I do have a couple transfers I wanted to highlight, Glow, and I figured, you know, I might as well just hit you with a few. Speaking of wins and losses, you know, I got a real win for you, okay? Okay, I do tell. Okay, so for those who don't know, you know, Football Sides, our podcast, both Glow and I, we consume a large amount of footy, not just, you know, the big leagues, but we love to, to follow stories from all around the world. So we generally try to imbue our topics with um, a bit of a, a bit of a, focus on football stories from around the world from the sidelines that may not be gathering large attention um of course you know you might hear the odd uh you know essentially this is not just about the messi ronaldo debate we're going to try to cover other stories uh although that, that might be a topic worth discussing at one point hey glow i don't know your answer to that one so <laughs> my win you know my my first transfer here for those who don't know the championship in england last season brentford narrowly missed out on promotion they, they were so close. They got into the playoffs and narrowly missed out on promotion. And for those who don't know, of course, uh, the second top scorer after Mitrovic was Ollie Watkins, who went from Bre- Brentford for big money to Aston Villa. Villa purchased him for uh, 28 million British pounds, rising to potentially 33 million. This was huge money. And we often see that, right? That one of the top scorers coming from the championship into the Premier League. And he's done well. He's done well for Villa so far. But you could argue, oh, no, like, uh, what's Brentford going to do? They just missed out on promotion. How are you going to fill that spot? So, again, for those who don't know, I'm a huge Sunderland fan. So my attention is on League One in England. And last year's League One top scorer, Ivan Tony for Peterborough, he finished with 24 goals last season. And Brentford has replaced Ollie Watkins with Ivan Tony. And as we speak low, guess how many goals Ivan Tony already has in the championship? I want to guess. Any guesses? 10? Not bad. Well done. 10 goals, uh, one assist. Brilliant. <laughs> in 10 matches. I mean, what a signing. Peterborough are, are doing pretty well here. Um, so, yeah, like I said, he got 10 goals, one assist in 10 matches. And uh, he's really hit the ground running. Uh, League One top scorer, already top scorer in the championship. And Brentford have a real striker on their hands and a real chance of getting back into the top flight this season. I think it's a great signing. Oh, that's excellent. How Do we know how many goals uh, he scored last season at Peterborough? Well, I know 24 goals he got last season. If you give me a second, I can definitely look it up for you. But uh, he's basically the same age as Watkins. So they're still signing a young you know, English striker here. Uh, looks like he scored 49 goals in 94 games for Peterborough United. Okay, that's, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so no, def- do you have a prediction on how many goals you think he will score this I like up? this. So he's got 24 last season, right, in League One? Mm-hmm. He's already on 10. I mean, shoot, like, I'm going to say it. I'm going to say he's going to beat his record. I think he ends up on, let's say, 28 goals. 
just okay, that's good. Yeah. So with the, I think that's always my hesitancy with like the streaks of like all mm-hmm. really good uh, shapes of form. But again, I've had like the hesitancy about Howland, and he keeps proving me wrong, which is brilliant. So I hope that's the same uh, for Ivan Tony, and he does not regress to the mean. Yeah. No. Although be. if his mean is around. 20 that's still pretty good <laughs> yeah no for sure and hey good business for brentford again they sold uh watkins for 28 million they buy ivan tony for 9.7 million um could be good business and for a league one club to sell a player for 9.7 million i mean this is huge for peterborough as well yeah and especially in this yeah, economy like you right. need all the cash that you can get absolutely and i was hearing an interesting podcast about that and just how peterborough has done really good business over the years and they're in a healthy financial state despite the pandemic whereas other league one teams are definitely struggling um so you know good bit of business all around and i'm glad to see brentford you know maybe have a good chance again this year to get back up yeah that's a very exciting um of uh, yeah this year has been mental and i've unfortunately not again to spend as much time on league one as i would like but you know at least having a key player to look out for and catching highlights every now and then uh, will keep me engaged in some way and don't worry Glo, i'll keep you posted about how sunderland doing oh yeah no we will review all our predictions (laughs) and just like grade at the end of the season and be like so (laughs) which one's uh, which one of us is a d student (laughs) Although I did hear all oh, a C's student. I did hear that C's get degrees according to George Bush. <laughs> oh my gosh, eh? Yeah. Uh all right. Um, so my transfer that I'm quite excited about is a thirty one year old US WNT Ford, Christian Press. And uh, she has uh, completed a one year contract to Manchester United and she uh, for just a note on her C V wicked impressive so she's the first recipient of the golden boot in the swedish league well the first american and she has two world cups not one but two uh she has um just in the u.s in the wsl she has played for the chicago red stars and the utah royals and uh she does tend to favor the to play on the left and she has a beautiful beautiful right foot and can score a mean header but what was really exciting about this is that man united are getting a forward that has that impressive of a CV is on the day uh, Christian Press and Tobin Heath were signed, uh, her U.S. Uh, women's national team teammate, their jerseys did uh, outsold the men's jerseys in the three, in the three days that um, they were signed. Wow, that's I incredible. Know, which is really exciting. And yeah, that's excellent. You really do love to see the men's teams, uh, like all these if there's a men's team attached to the sea, some sort of like increased inv- investment in the women's game. And so far, so she made her debut uh, for Manchester United debut against Brighton. And I think, I believe that was a three nil win. And she came in as a sub on the 77th minute. Her okay. teammate did get an assist, but no assist will go there. But she's a very creative player and she she can be like the highest, she will be the highest player on the pitch, but she tends to bring more than her teammates into the game. So not only is she like wicked and very good at what her job, she is also a great creator. And so far, yeah, I want to say since she's been signed, uh, the Manchester United women's team have not lost a game. Brilliant. 
Yeah, from since Forever. September. Yeah, they've not lost a game. They only drew with Chelsea. Yeah, yeah. So that's cool. Are you are you going to be getting a kit for Christmas? Hey, with uh, with her with her name on the back or what? Um, I'm very stingy about whose name I get on the back. I think I only have two jerseys that have names on the back. Oh yeah. Yeah. Who's that? <laughs> who's that? I have a Zidane and I have a uh, Rashford jersey. Yes. And those, I think I took like a year to think about them. I have the same theory of do not, <laughs> the same way like do not name your kids after characters that have not been <laughs> finished yet. Like the book needs to be done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's and I think I ma- only made the exception for Rashford, but Zidane was pretty much done as a player when I got that. Absolutely. Well, I mean, great picks right there. But hey, going back to Kristen Press here. I'm interested to know in like U.S. women's national team footy in like the fandom and, and stardom culture there. Like, obviously, you have some big names, Alex Morgan. You have, of course, Rapinoe. You know, where is Kristen Press kind of in the the celebrity stardom, if you will, of U.S. women's football? Um, I would say in terms of quality, she is very much up there. I would say she has another World Cup in her, especially. Although uh, in terms of like social media presence, I'm just speaking for myself from what I see. Um, I would say, I don't know, I don't like see her on social media as much as I do uh, Megan Rapinoe. But then again, she her job is to perform on the pitch and she does that. In an, she does an amazing job of that. And the fact that her jersey is uh, outselling, at least like the men's jersey, even for X amount of time, is um, an indicator that she is well-known and well-celebrated. So uh, for me, as a U.S. women's national team supporter, it makes me very excited to see that one of our own is um, making moves to go to another team and also which means that the game is growing beyond the U.S. and it's getting stronger across the board. No, that's brilliant. Absolutely. And... uh... Are there other uh, women's national team players at Manchester United currently? Uh, Tobin Heath. Of course, okay. Yeah, teammate. I did, um, on the note of women's sports, uh, something that our last guest, if you've not listened to the episode with David Goldstein, please brilliant. do. Um, it was brilliant. The mention to me was um, how... Was it... I would not say it was our last guest because my memory is a bit befuddled, but it's a conversation I've been having recently about how to make more investment uh, in the women's game. So I wanted to get mm-hmm. your opinion on it. And what was suggested was what if you, if you have like a Manchester United women's team, what if you started aligning the schedules so you can have like the kickoff be um, like women's game first and then the men's game and then when you buy a ticket well if when we do get back to stadiums uh, when you buy a ticket you have like immediate access to both see I love that um, I know I don't know how it is in the states low but in Canada that's pretty common uh, from what I recall for university level sports here uh, so you'll often see that where like you said you know the match is uh, either team will play first and then, you know, maybe there's a half hour break or 45 minutes or something like that. And then the next tee off, kick off, whatever the sport may be. And it was great. It was, you know, it would always generate interest and both teams kind of follow each other, right? So the other team maybe gets cleaned up and comes out and they're supporting, you know, the, the, the adjacent club, right? So I think it's, I think it's a great idea. I would be all for, it. I know that obviously i mean you want to have an analysis around international culture with different countries and their opinions of men's versus women's sports but i think that in canada that would do very well i don't see why that wouldn't be a success here 
Trouble yeah. for you. I think that'll be really exciting. Actually, I did remember it was not David Goldstein. It was uh, another person that I was talking to. They're really into skiing and they were mentioning how that worked really well oh, in really? skiing and how oh, that's... that's so there is actual evidence on how when you do combine the two sports like the or like the two kickoffs like people mm-hmm. if, uh, let's say for the first time you show up like i don't know for the game like 15 20 minutes early you get mm-hmm. to watch the end of this you see a waldy and then you slowly um but steadily um make people want to come back and next time that person that. comes back 45 minutes early and yep. before you know it you start getting a culture of like people who will now show up for two back-to-back I games i think it's brilliant oh, yeah i think it's really really good i i don't see why I'm actually surprised that we don't see this more. Um, I know I'm sure there's lots of different logistical uh, issues, especially at the top levels. But yeah, I'm all for it. I think we need to see more support uh, for the women's game. And um, I know that here, like generally speaking, of course, our, our, our men's national team in Canada has not done as well as our women's national team. So there's actually a, a really good following for women's football here. Mm-hmm. And uh, usually when the women's national team plays, like they get huge attendance. So uh, unfortunately for us, of course, we just don't have the same levels of women's footy that you do in the States. You know, all of our Canadian women's players are playing either abroad or in the States. So some are here in the, in the we had a, we had a affiliate teams with the MLS teams here. So like Whitecaps, Toronto FC and Montreal, but um I think that they they just didn't gain as much traction here. Just not enough. Yeah. I like so it. Here's the yeah. I'm I'm excited to see where that goes. So what do you have to for me? Uh, what's yeah, I was gonna say. So I see your Christian press, and mm-hmm. I will raise you. Impossible. A... <laughs> <laughs> okay. So. Okay. So who is the top goalkeeper in the Bundesliga? Kind of undisputed. Uh. A chap by the name of Neuer? Of course. I think. Just, you know, just, <laughs> just, someone, just someone where like every young German <laughs> goalkeeper between the ages of whatever, you know, 16 and 35, no, they'll never get a shout in the national team because he's yes. basically got that spot locked down, right? He will have to be wheelchaired off the pitch. Exactly. <laughs> so um, it would have to be speci- especially reinforced too for those legs that guy has. Holy... But um, for those who don't know, his backup for the last number of years at Bayern Munich has been a, a fellow by the name of Sven Ulreich. Sven Ulreich has been a superb teammate, um, from what I understand, from from Bayern Munich fans and, and their and like their posts and whatnot. And a friend of mine who lives in Germany, he's a huge Bayern fan. Basically, Sven Ulreich has been, you know. He's, he's understood that he's always been the second fiddle to Neuer. He'll only play when Neuer's injured or maybe in the odd cup game. And he basically never really saw a starting position ever at Bayern. But he's been there for like five years. Um, he was very reliable as uh, coming in to replace Neuer. And quite realistically, could probably be a number one in at least half the Bundesliga sides, right? So this is a player who has just spent his career as, as, a, second, uh, as a second goalkeeper. So the interesting story is his contract is getting close to, to running out and Bayern has decided to offload him. And where does he go? So he goes to Hamburger SV. So for those who don't know, Hamburger SV were relegated about three seasons ago from the Bundesliga into Bundesliga 2. Hamburg have been a 
annual Bundesliga side. They're always in the top flight. They're always in and around it. Um, I actually had the awesome privilege to watch them against uh, FC Köln in, in Germany years ago. They were a good side. So you have a team that's, you know, got relegated recently. They need to get back into the top flight. Uh, two seasons ago, they narrowly missed out on promotion, uh, uh, but they missed out two seasons. Yeah, sorry. Two seasons ago, nearly missed out, um, conceded 42 goals against. Last season, they conceded 46 goals against. Uh, again, nearly missed out on promotion. So they got to get back. And so they they signed Sven Ulreich, and he is now their number one goalkeeper. And he's playing in the second, the second flight. And guess how they're doing? Where are they in the table as we speak? Ooh, top four? Top four, yep. You can do better than that, Glow. What do you think they're at? Okay, fine. Are they first? They're in first place. <laughs> so he comes in immediately, two clean sheets. Uh, he's got two clean sheets in four matches, and they haven't lost yet. They're five wins, one loss. Doing great. And um, from what I understand, this just kind of reflects a little bit of this Bayern culture that we've heard about. When you've been in their side for a long time, when you've been a part of this quote-unquote family of the Bayern Munich uh, regime, if you will, they'll treat you really well. We saw that with players like Robin, who went back to Groningen in, in Holland. We've seen it with Ribéry. We've seen it with different players. And now I, it sounds like um, Hamburg could never have afforded the wages that Ulreich was on. So they waived the, the transfer fee in order for Hamburg to be able to pay for his, uh, for his wages. So off he goes. He's in the second, the second tier here. And who knows? We might see him back in the top flight next year against his old club versus uh, versus Neuer. could be a match to, to look forward to. Yeah, that would be very exciting. I do like, uh, I think, yeah, that's what makes goalkeeping quite tough. It, it doesn't, it's, I mean, it's a spot that I didn't get as much rotation as, uh, yeah, sorry, as much rotation as many other positions on the pitch. So exactly. you love to see, I don't know, when uh, goalkeepers decide, uh, okay, I do actually want to see some fast team consistent football and make their moves and succeed. So that's very exciting. Yep. No, absolutely. And I forgot the name glow. Remind me, who's the name of the new young signing that Bayern uh, brought in as a goalkeeper? I, I do remember. He is the lad from uh, Schalke, but I that's right. absolutely yeah. blank on his name at the moment. It's oh, all good. But I think that basically Sven Ulreich probably looked at that and said, okay, well like clearly you know, I got to go to get, to get minutes. And they, you know, they've brought in another, uh, Nubel, I think his name is Alexander Nubel. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's a, who it was, but so, yeah, I think there's a, I agree with you. It's great to see another player making a decision, dropping down a flight and who knows, maybe, maybe they, they go undefeated and, uh, they're back in the top flight next season. Yeah. Okay. So I too, I'll give you a hint. I have a goalkeeper, as well i do okay um and if you can guess this goalkeeper the fun fact is that for most of his career he's not been playing uh top level by top level i mean like liga Serie, all those um football but he just made a big signing to a premier league team okay so okay so he's uh been playing in like what a more hipster league i love a hipster league you know that 
Um, yeah, so like a League Two, a number of League Twos, and he was actually without a club for a year in 2014. Okay. Oh, jeez. Uh, you said he was playing in League Two? Uh, or a second league? A second league. But he's now oh, in the Prem. What's his name? What's his name? Give me a second here. Oh, um, sorts of the B, doesn't it? Does it? Oh, <laughs> and I love this game. Ben, ben Rama or something like that? No, because... Um, Saeed Ben Rama from uh, Brentford. No, I'm actually I'm speaking about Edouard Mendy, uh, who is uh, the new Chelsea goalkeeper. I was gonna say replaced the most expensive goalkeeper, but that was gonna be too easy, you know. Oh, too easy. Yeah. Uh, when, you, when you said uh, second tier league, I thought you meant uh, like league, like uh, the championship. Yeah, he was in Ligue 2 in France. Oh, he was in Ligue 2. Okay. Yeah, with uh, him. What a signing. Yeah. Okay. So. Um, okay. Yeah, tell me about him. Tell me how has he done for for Chelsea and Frank? Um, just, so just a little bit of background. I, I think it's absolutely fascinating. He's 28, and he's an example. He's had a very untraditional path to the top league. He kept being dropped by a number of like talent pools that picked him up, and as I mentioned, he was without a club for a year. And then he played on Marseille's reserve team in 2015-16, I want to say. Uh, and then um, he was also, again, he, it's this just a continuous trend and theme of him being stuck behind a talent. So it's really exciting. And then he played in Liga, uh, in Ligue 2 with Rim. And then in the next season, he was able to be the starting goalkeeper. And he's now... F- finally getting an opportunity at Chelsea and as their it seems main uh, primarily goal number goalkeeper so so far at Chelsea um and then sorry and then he also went in Turin in 2019 oh, this um, is great I didn't really he's 28 he's bided his time and here's his big move eh? and for goalkeepers that's pretty young yeah mm-hmm so anyway, so the 20-year-old from Rennes, he uh, was born in France, but he does represent Senegal at the international level. And uh, since he's arrived at Chelsea, he has kept uh, three clean sheets in the Prem. He has made two Champions League appearances and one EFL Cup appearance. And um, uh, the other fun fact, as you know, Peter Cech, <laughs> who was recently named in the Chelsea Champions League squad, by the way. Amazing, uh, yep. <laughs> Also came from Ren, and he. They also bought. Uh, they also brought Mendy's uh, goalkeeping coach, or was it Petrček's goalkeeping coach? One of the two. There might be one person with him. But overall, what's been impressive for me is the confidence that he seems to have instilled in the back line. I don't know. I don't have the same panic, or they doesn't appear to have the same panic that Chelsea are going to leak goals left, right, and center. Absolutely. Yeah, he seems like a more steady and calming presence, and mm-hmm. it seems like the the, the back line is more co- confident in, like, making passes within their own box or, like, close enough, you know? So, I don't know. I'm very excited about him. Um, any notes on him so far? No, just like you're saying, I mean, uh, watching a few of his saves, I always find I have a lot of... Um, respect for the goalkeeper who can go a whole match. Maybe it's raining, the the weather's cold, he hasn't had much action, but they're still sharp enough for that one or two saves that 
easily could have been a goal. You know, it was a great shot, exactly. a great play, but he shows up, makes the save. I can't remember what match it was just a few weeks ago, and it was a phenomenal save. It was going in the top corner, and you almost couldn't blame him if it did go in. Mm-hmm. But that's the difference, right, is if you can call upon a goalkeeper, I mean, how many times do we see the title the title holders of the previous years, you know, with Ederson, now Allison, of course, not much action, and then, wow, unreal save. Yeah, and it's like that goal match. line clearance, like yeah. the, just like being sharp like that when you need him to be. Yeah. I also think it's actually quite good competition for Kepa because I suppose, I mean, Chelsea do find themselves in a precarious position where they are bleeding like their return on investment or their investment on Kepa. Yes. So they've replaced him with someone who's capable and seems to be a starting goalkeeper, but it's also someone that Kepa could feasibly compete with and keep his value up when Chelsea want to sell him. So I think it's good for both of them. No, I think... Yeah, I mean, at the same time, though, of course, being a fan of a club that doesn't have bottomless pockets, it just frustrates me to no end that you can make a 70 million sterling error and yeah. still get away with now another big sign. I mean, it's ridiculous. Come on. Yeah. Gosh. That's more if you don't look than... at it that way, <laughs> it's so nice and dandy. Once you yeah. ignore that little bit. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Eh? Like, how on earth? I mean, I still, I'm still in my head right now. I'm still seeing sorry on the pitch. Maurizio sorry there. Like <gasps> just throwing his cigarette butt on the pitch, ripping off his trainer top. You know, how the heck is this guy not subbing out, right? Yeah, that was... It's still one of the most shocking things I've ever seen in football. And <laughs> I just don't think... I don't know. Willie's well, like, on the ah. side. Like, what What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do, coach, eh? Yeah. Do I go in? Do I just... Oh, my gosh. And he, yeah. he loses the shootout, too. Oh, Justice for sorry. Justice no, I like for it. Sorry. <laughs> I like it. Glow. I think it's a great show, and uh, look forward to seeing you know how Mendy does. Uh, I will be honest. I don't care much for Chelsea, to be frank. Oh, neither but, do I. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, at the end of the day, I do love a good story, so that's awesome. Um, on to the African players, because you said yourself that Mendy, of course, plays for for Senegal, right? Mm-hmm. So can we go up to Northern Africa? Okay. And can we talk about the nine for the for the FIFA fans out there? If there's any gamers, this is the ninth fastest player in FIFA 21. Uh, he is a Real Madrid product. Mm-hmm. He was on loan for two years to a Bundesliga club, and he finished top in assists last season for all defenders in the Bundesliga. Any idea who this is? Ah, okay. I'm thinking North. Is it? It's not Ziyech, is it? No. Oh, God. No, not Ziyech. Um, no. Uh, is it Hakimi? Hakimi. Well oh, done. God. Yep. <laughs> I was yep. like, okay. <laughs> well that done. was unnecessarily stressful. <laughs> <laughs> not like you need any more. St- I mean, gosh, you live in Washington, D.C. with an election going on. But hey, good show. Both Ziyech and uh, Hakimi are Moroccan. So, yes, I am talking about the Moroccan right wing back, Ashraf Hakimi. What a player. Uh, again, I, I have no idea how Real Madrid offloaded him. Um, he was on loan for two seasons at, at Borussia Dortmund. Mm-hmm. What a great loan for them. Yeah. And uh, he finished last season with five goals, 10 assists from that right wing back position. Top for all defenders. He, um, he 
was, let's see here, what was it? 40 million euros. That's, I mean, in this day and age, I think that's got to be pretty cheap. So he's going to enter. Enter, of course, and a lot of Serie A clubs play a, a similar, you know, three at the back formation with those two wing backs. So he probably looked, he had a lot of options. Eh? He could have gone to many clubs, but he chose Inter and Inter are stacked. And he's already got a goal and assist, sorry, a goal and two assists in six appearances for Inter Milan this season. And I'm calling it right now, Glow. Ashraf Hakimi will be, at the age of 22, he will be the highest, uh, he'll have the most assists from open play this season in Syria. Calling it right now. You had it here, folks. If this doesn't happen, you know where to find him at that. <laughs> That's right. I think. I, what it, makes you I, say that? So, I guess who's his and who is his competition? If you know off the top of your head. Oh, for sure. No, I think it's so. The assist leader right now um, has four. Bear with me a moment. Um, oh my gosh! Just keep talking. I know Dries Mertens is on three assists. Should have this ready. Come on, Dan. Okay, here we go. Assist leader. Oh, none other. The legend himself. I know one listener. He says I say legend too often. But anyway, <laughs> Henrik Mikatarian. Oh God, we. I'm glad he's back. Man, Where has he been? Him. Where has he been? Henrik Mikatarian got four assists right now for Roma, and then it's um, Cristiano Biraghi and Dries Mertens on three, and then Hakimi on two. So. The reason why I say it is I just think you're going to see a lot of that, you know, Hakimi to Lukaku tap in. Hakimi is so fast on the wing, and because he kind of comes from that deep position, uh, really sneaks into positions where he has a lot of open space to run on to, to get that ball across the face of the goal for a tap in. I think we're going to see it a lot this year. Yeah, so as an attacking defender, how do you rate his ability to track back or how good is he defensively because you know like you mentioned that like him being able to like go into that space and uh type a ball in for a nice tap in but obviously the other thing that does is leave a massive gap behind him Mm -hmm. do you think inter is equipped for someone to like shift into his position is he better tracking back i guess i want to know a little bit more about his defensive game no, it's a good point. I mean, for Dortmund last year, uh, the opposite side was usually occupied by Rafael Guerrero. And the few matches I would see, because I, unfortunately I, I wasn't able to watch too much of Borussia Dortmund play aside from, you know, highlights and Champions League and that. But Guerrero is not as quick. And so Guerrero would often slot in for that back four. Does that make sense? So you'd, you'd drop him down, shift the three defenders over. Hakimi would play that attacking role so he's really just like a withdrawn winger um but much like we see with a player like alfonso davies you don't even need to have the best defensive capability if you're so lightning quick you know you're just able to come back and clean up whatever perhaps error or loose ball that might have occurred so with Inter, of course, they're going to see a lot of the ball. So I think, you know, they, they probably sign him for that reason as well, to, to be further up the pitch. All right. Well, but, I'm excited to yeah. also add this to the list of things Dan has predicted for the end <laughs> of the year. Hakimi, top uh, assist from open play in Serie A. Yeah, from open play. Okay, what, what do you have for me there, Glow? Any others? Yes, I do have one more for you. It's 
a young magician, not the one that you're thinking of, a short magician, I should say. Not the one you're thinking of. Not Mathieu Valbuena? <gasps> no, unfortunately. <laughs> I saw him yesterday on the on zone watching Olympiacos. Like, wow, where's he been? Yeah, you ever see players and be like, oh, wow, I did forget that you existed for a second there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, exactly. So this, uh, my transfer here is David Silva to Sociedad on a free. Yes. So I know that Silva is 34. However, it's just, you know, the guy's got so much class. It's undeniable that even at this age, one can make a really good case that he is going to be a very good addition to a team. And not just like a team lower, like a team that can be competitive. So he mainly playing as a central attacking midfielder. And sometimes he can play as a winger or second striker. And he's uh, been, I just, I mean, he, I think I don't even need to repo, uh, to go into his history because it speaks for himself. I mean, he has two, ch- uh, he has uh, two European championships and then he has a World Cup under his belt. And obviously everyone knows about the lauded midfield with Javi and Iniesta. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the trio. So it's very exciting that him moving to Sociedad, he's not necessarily always going to be a starter, but I think that wealth of experience, that level of skill is especially valuable on the pitch from time to time, as long as you don't like overly rely on it. So a couple of stats for you. In La Liga, he's had seven matches, uh, one goal, two assists, and two, European, uh, two Europa League appearances, no goals or assists there. But um, this has left Sociedad with... Is the, Sociedad is actually at the top of the table. Incredible. That's I know. Awesome. The caveat being that they have played eight matches and a fair amount of the team, um, the other teams have played uh, seven or six matches. So that's subject to change, but that's still, you'd imagine it wouldn't drop them too far down. So it's very exciting to see him in a midfield three or four with Mikel Oyarzabal. I want to say is mm-hmm. how you pronounce that <laughs> greedy great. and poor too. He's a great player too. Yeah. Um, as a Manchester United supporter glow. And of course, uh, Sunderland being nicknamed Manchester United's B team. Cause we love your cast offs. We love, you know, a little bit of John O'Shea. We love a little bit of Wes Brown, Darren Gibson. Recycling is good for the environment. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad to be of service. Okay. Adnan, Adnan Yanazai at Real Sociedad. Mm-hmm. It, how, is he linking up with David Silva at all? Are these guys, you know, they both got that sweet left foot, you know? Um. So there's nothing of note in that partnership that I've been able to find. But I'm sure that, I mean, it's early days as well. And I confess that I do not watch all of Sociedad's games. And uh, when I was looking into this particular You research, do have a life. You do have a job. Yes. Yeah. I was mostly interested in Silva's work. But, you know, we need to stay tuned for what Adnan Yenzai is doing in that front. But that would be another exciting thing to happen. No, I, I think this is a great shout for assigning. I mean, again, yeah, Real Sociedad, as of today, 14. Uh, they have a goal differential, best in the league. You know, they've scored 18. They've only let in four. I think this is great. And let's be honest, he, he totally could have stayed at Manchester City. They could have used him. Exactly. No, I, I'm in complete agreement. Yeah. But it's also, you know, kind of good to see, like, go out on a high, 
just go have a nice like go you know go i don't have know tomato salad you know go go enjoy the the spanish uh, lifestyle again exactly it's just like good for him and he gets to have influence but like everything is not dependent on him you know Absolutely. put your feet up but I also still work much, sometimes i wonder how much glow it had to do with his son hey because wasn't his son uh was born premature or there were some sort of health complications last season i remember he had to go back and forth between spain and england quite a bit yeah um i do not know for a fact but i imagine just being human that that would be a huge factor and it's also good to just yeah especially in this time i think it's well he made this decision last year but i'm sure like these times have solidified for many of us to take stock of what's really valuable absolutely and yeah so that's uh we're happy for him and we hope he and his son are doing well yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Well, put it on the wish list, associated kit with uh, David Silva on the back. Hey, Glow, add that <laughs> one to your repertoire. No, just, we're too, <laughs> no, we're picky. We're picky. Not quite All there right. yet. I'll take it. I'll take it. I love a good in- kit from around the world. Okay, well, that's a tough one to follow up because I, he is a legend. I, I think uh, David Silva, who knows how that leadership too, you know, has just boosted the confidence and maybe they go on and challenge the, you know, the usual uh, Barcelona and Real Madrid um, for the title. I think it'd be awesome for, for La Liga. Great for the neutral. Exactly. And, oh my gosh, Barcelona's in 12th? Wow. Okay. Another, another topic for another day. Yeah. Okay. They, six matches played though, I think. Yeah, that's true. Still, I can enjoy that. Yeah. Some shot shot in Florida. (laughs) No, no, no. No facts here, please. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Okay. So we often talk about players. We talked about a couple goalkeepers, midfielder, striker, that kind of thing. Like We got to talk about managers too. So it isn't exactly from this transfer window, but it certainly had a uh, knock-on effect from the previous. So this manager... I want to talk about because first, first of all, let me throw out some stats. Let me throw out some win percentages to you. Mm-hmm. Glow, Sir Alex Ferguson, in all of his matches as a manager, guess what his win percentage was? Any any kind of relative uh, idea what percentage of matches won for him? Uh, I guess he was there for quite some time. So I would put it at like a healthy 54% maybe. Not bad. 58.1. So Sir Alex Ferguson, 58.1 win percentage. Let's throw out some other names. Jurgen Klopp, 52.5. So just over half his matches he's won as a manager. Um, Jose Mourinho, not Jose. Jose Mourinho, as he would say in his uh, documentary there. Yep. 64% uh, win percentage. Pretty high. Pep's on 72. Ronald Koeman, 53.48. So this manager is 58.3 win percentage. Okay, All the different clubs and uh, teams he's been the manager of and i'm talking about the manager of everton carlo ancelotti best eyebrows in the game i will (laughs) i I will stand by this i will die on this uh, hill that's awesome him and uh who's your other guy uh mikel arteta (laughs) arteta (laughs) i am worried that that's becoming my thing (laughs) i was gonna say so every new every new manager that comes into the to the prem has to pass glow's eyebrow test or something like that exactly like you, you know 
This is how I'm judging management. How oh key qualifier? Gosh. What's your eyebrow game? <laughs> Heaven forbid someone like I don't know Freddie Lundberg or someone who like has no eyebrows comes in. No, sorry, I'm sorry. Manage. That's an automatic dismissal. <laughs> Fast one to get the chop immediately. That's awesome. So I want to highlight Carlo because you know I've always been a fan of him. Um, just the different clubs he's managed at. He's done a great job every club he's gone to. Um, I think he's 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 well known for his man management. I mean, how many managers goal can come in to a to a side, completely change their midfield three in one transfer window, but then have it work? Because so often we see teams buy players all the time, but to have it work is incredible. And you know, he's he's got um, Ducore, Alan, and of course Hamas Rodriguez is in that midfield three, and Everton look excellent this year they have their best start in whatever it was like a hundred years or some something like that um he's married to a vancouver businesswoman i mean what can you not like about the guy um and he's been to four champions league finals and one of only three managers to have won the champions league three times so impressive resume i can't believe everton uh got him onto their books and let's be honest, a player like Hamas Rodriguez, do you, do you think he comes to Everton if Carlo's not there? No, there's definitely the Carlo appeal. and Absolutely. Yeah. So, again, in his career as a manager, 1,132 matches. Of course, these stats are as of a couple of weeks ago when we tried to record this. Um, 660 wins, 264 draws, only 208 losses, a whopping plus 1,087 goal differential impressive and good for Everton they you know they have a huge uh hugely successful manager on their books and uh who knows this season they might be pushing for you know a, a European spot we'll see we'll see what it looks like obviously they have to stay healthy though yeah there's a lot of games that are coming quick and fast and there's also a pandemic so <laughs> there's that yeah. but with that in mind I think it's really exciting for Everton um from listening to a fair number of Everton fans and it's genuinely like as a person who's in a mess spot with their team it's nice to see fans be excited about their team and just like oh look things are like people are now dreading the games and you know so that's always a very nice and I'm very pleased for them and the other note that I think I think Carlo is correctly uh, lauded for his uh, man management skills, but I also think his tactical skills, that means his tactical skills at times go under the radar. I think he is one of the most flexible managers, not super flashy. He's not as dogmatic as I would have expected. And I just remember uh, when I was reading through Michael Cox's Zono Marking and understanding like the Italian way from like Arrigo Sacchi and a very defensive structure that um, Carlo came under, like his growth as a manager was under and how much that has changed to now. I don't know. So I really greatly value the ability to pivot and to be able to adjust and play with what's in front of you. And to me, that is a sign of an outstanding manager. Absolutely. And I think he seems to have a way of simplifying footy for his players, like taking some of that pressure off. I, I know I've seen, you're seeing some, you know, some of the one-liners coming out right now. Dominic Calvert-Lewin saying, you know, Carlo told me since he came in, the next, sorry, the most important goal of your career is the next one. You know, and these kind of, these these mantras, helping these guys get their, their, 
their head in the game, but also keeping it simple and and uh, it's obviously working. You know, good on them. And, yeah. Uh, yet another club that he's come to, and and we're seeing success. So good for them. Yeah. To reference our last pod with David, that's another thing. As someone who's going through the process of making his path in the football world, that's another thing that I was asking him about what he learned from like walking in spaces with like yeah, JC Mouse and shot and such was you need to know how to communicate with players and how to make the message resonate with that player with that person so i mean it's he has it in space and that's yeah. so that's really exciting where do you think everton finished the season good question i did say when <laughs> one of my mates was messaging me in in my fpl uh, league glow i know you're in one too oh god and, i need to check that <laughs> <laughs> and of course everton were flying and he's like dan is everton gonna win the league and i said no not a chance and he's like, well why why and i was like well as soon as they have injuries to a couple of key components they just don't have the depth um and so sure enough we're seeing that a bit right now with uh, some of their key their key injuries and whatnot um but i do think you know realistically if they can get some of these guys healthy again uh, we could see them finishing fifth. I think that's a good a good uh, show in a season like this where other teams maybe are, are still playing in multiple competitions, obviously playing in Europe. They need to take advantage of that with their smaller squad and finish as high up the table as they can. So I'll say fifth. Add that one to the list, Glow. The list is becoming quite long. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I yeah, it's going on the list. And with that, listeners, we'll take a quick break and we'll be back with some sidelines asides. Welcome back, everyone. This section of the podcast is called Sidelines Asides. It's a section of the podcast that we like to, to switch gears, head over to the sidelines and chat about something about fo- football that might not be on the on our radar might be a topic that uh, has been stewing in our minds and you know we just need to spend some time and 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 get to the heart of it. So Glow, you're a Manchester United fan. They just had another hard loss there about an hour ago and uh, we need to talk about Ole. We need to talk about Ole in or out. Do we sp- <laughs> Can we end this now? <laughs> right? But more specifically, like not just oh, you know, Ole in, Ole out. Like let's look at the let's look at the numbers and one of our one of our listeners he did suggest, and he sent me some some really interesting stats about the first 100 games, the first 100 matches for both Klopp at Liverpool and for Solskjaer at United. And it, they're strangely similar, hey, Glow? I mean, it's, um, you know, Klopp was given time at Liverpool to transform them into title challengers with obviously a Champions League and a Premier League now that we've seen from them. And just a couple of stats here, Glow, in the first 100 matches, Solskjaer has won 56 matches. Klopp only won 50. Um, Solskjaer has lost 24. Klopp lost 21. 186 goals scored for United. 182 scored for Liverpool under Klopp. Goals conceded 104 to 108. Uh, points across all competitions is actually better for, for Solskjaer with 188 versus 150 for Klopp. So as you can see here, pretty similar, pretty similar differences. And on a lot of these stats, Klopp is actually worse. Uh, for example, the win percentage. So Solskjaer is at 56%, whereas Klopp is at 50%. So it does beg the question, Ole in, Ole out. What do you think, Lo? 
Okay, so this is actually a great question. So thank you very much to the listener and please keep sending them in if you ever want us to address one of your questions for in the yeah, sidelines shout sides. Out, shout out to Ryan. He is a Spurs fan glow, I have to add, but he wants uh, to hear your Well, <laughs> I take back I get I take it back, Ryan. Sorry. <laughs> um but I love numbers and I love stats especially. So my this in many ways, at least in my head, while it makes the argument while you can use it to make the argument that all it should be given more time. I also think it's quite inconclusive in itself. For instance, um, give me, if I could have 15 seconds to get super nerdy <laughs> in a point in all competition, I think it's good that Ole is, uh, has like 38 more points than Klopp for instance. Right. However, mm-hmm. like the nerdy part of my brain immediately goes, I was like, okay, points in all competitions, but what competitions are those clubs in? Like if United is, um, in like the EFL and all this, so you have statistically a better chance, at least you'd think of, sure. uh, beating those teams and getting points versus, um, if it's, if it's the champions league, that being mm-hmm. said, I also, uh, I mean, I mean, the, again, the same thing goes, but that being said, it's, you do have to beat what's in front of you. You will never get a, an exactly something that's exactly the same to compare to. Mm-hmm. I am of the mind that Ole should be given more time because I think there's a lot of wobbles and I'm, but I think he's coming into his own as a manager. So mm-hmm. I'm not exactly sure. Because for me, getting a completely new manager means now we have to get a completely new vision. New system and all that. Exactly. Yeah. And then, we're again, we're just like now going back again. Mm-hmm. So for well, me, is. Yeah. I what I would be I know he has a vision and I kind I'm starting to see his vision it would be more worrisome if I would just like we don't know where we're going it's a question that just we're just getting there very very slowly <laughs> and it's quite frustrating at times and it's not, it doesn't have the same chops as a Klopp did even if Klopp's numbers are worse here you can make the argument when Klopp came in he was a more proven manager right he'd gone he'd won a Bundesliga title yeah, he'd I gone think, to a Champions absolutely. League Dortmund versus Molda. Exactly. It's fair to say, for sure. Yeah, one has a more impressive CV coming in. But I also think there's some great strides being made at the club, I think, and the player management is a lot better. And I think for, like, tactical nuance, you can add those people in. You can give him... He seems very receptive to, like, add people to his team to balance him out in areas where he might fall short. And I think that's quite impressive. Ole Gunnar, Sol- Ole Gunnar Solskjaer just lost to Martin Skirtle's Istanbul Peshekshir here. Okay, you, yeah, that happened do too. You, do you still want a manager at your club, Manchester United, to be coming into his own, as you put it? Or should he be doing that at another club before getting the Man United gig? I think there's always teething problems, regardless of what team. <laughs> you, I like that. Where you, regardless of what team you go to. I mean, would it be better if I'd come in with a CV that's uh, like longer than Molda and he was more experienced and such? But still, mm-hmm. like it's the he had, he had have, a time at Cardiff. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> but then it's still like even when you go to a new club, you then have to pivot to adjust to that club. It's like, well, he's here now, you know. Like the time mm-hmm. to be like, oh, maybe we should give him more time is gone. He's here now. And I say, 
let's work with it. Let's give him the people that he needs to like amplify those uh, parts of his game, his management game that could, should have been developed before he arrived. Were you guys more tri- like, were you too trigger happy in recent years? Like the post Sir Alex Ferguson era? Uh, in some time, in some ways, yes. In other times, no. I think in the Mourinho case, we might not have been trigger happy enough, frankly. Yeah. <laughs> but I think overall, it's important to like, we need to, we, the, the thing is we're seeing progress. And like, I think for progress for a club, while I would like it to be very much like an upward trajectory, it more looks like a life, I don't know, do you remember like a beating heart situation that was like, there's progress, yes. and then there's a bump, there's progress, and there's a bump. But overall, I would say there's net progression. Okay. And that's encouraging. Like, take it from me as a supporter of a club who, speaking of trigger happy, my gosh, what, what did we have at one point, the record? We had like 11 <laughs> managers in nine seasons or something. I mean... No one was safe. Glow like don't even shop bother on. Don't even bother unpacking your bags. Just just know that you're a few losses away from being out the door. And we never gave enough time to some excellent managers for me as a as a Sunderland supporter. You know Gus Poyet, Chris Coleman, um, Sam, Sam Allardyce. That was a whole other fiasco. My gosh, but like we had some good managers in our books too. And we and I think we didn't give them enough time. So I agree with you. Don't do that. Like don't become this crazy trigger happy club. I don't think it works personally. But, uh, Glow, I got to admit, I think it's got to be Ole out. And I, I think at the end of the day, the biggest number here is the price of your squad. I mean, your squad on paper is something I saw it the other day was like the defense alone is almost 200 million British pounds. The the starting 11 plus the bench is close to a billion. Like, I will say come. Pip has half a billion in defenders and sure. I don't see them play very often. <laughs> sure, sure. But I mean, you're in 15th. That's rough. That's really rough. Uh, it's not great, is it? <laughs> no, it's not. And like, I think that's at the end of the day, I like him. I like Ole. I like his man management. I agree. I love the memes. They're great. But um, I mean, we're in 15th with a game in hand. So in theory, winning that game could bring us up to sixth, at least. Uh, glow. glow. You will... got to win. As you as you said, you got to win who's in front of you, right? But I mean, we don't. Yeah, there's no one in front. Oh, sorry. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> Basically, I just think that um, I think he's got to go. I think he's got to go. I think you have too many good managers right now that don't have a club that you got to take your chance on getting one of these guys locked in. Hey, I mean, obviously, everyone's talking about Pochettino. Where's he going to go, right? But That's just the do the thing. swap with Spurs. Just do it. I, I don't know. I'm just like, I'm not. I like Pochettino, and I think he's a great manager. But then I also do always say, like, let's give managers chances. And, of course, like, one of the ways to do that is you need to know when to let go. I don't feel like we're quite there yet. I, in my head, it's, when you say parts of the squad, I also want to make the, like, the other not a counter argument, but like additional context is there's a fair amount of that squad that was bought before he got there. Oh, for sure. So you can't like, you, you need to clarify that it's not all money you that bring, he spent. But you have to bring in a manager then that makes those expensive signings. Good, I don't no? think all of them work because I think that's what we've been doing with like spend a ton of money. It doesn't work. It and doesn't. then bring in a new play and bring in a new manager. Oh, and then they want a ton of players. And that doesn't work as well. So we just like keep accumulating 
just like expensive players that are bought for like three different managers and expecting the manager that follows them to like, hey, here you go, now make it work. Sure. And no, that's fair. And I, I, of course, we've all seen that with clubs with all the revolving door of the manager. It's very difficult because you have disgruntled players. They thought they were brought under a previous regime. Exactly. For sure. But still, like the amount of money being thrown around, these players are on paper superb players. uh, Well, many of them at least before they came. So, um, I yeah, I I think he's got to go glow. But Pogba, there's another one who's got to go too. Wait, sorry. A uh, quick note before we get on the Pogba combo. I would say that another feather in Ole's cap, this is starting to become like all glow defends Ole, although I'm not too attached to him, but I do think he needs to be given a chance. But another feather is how many places actually been able to move on. The amount of like our squad is getting, it's looking less disjointed with every window that he's it there. It is bursting at the seams. There's way too many players. There exactly, and they're like, and with the, that's when we're like letting people go and like moving people on. And I think that doesn't get he doesn't get enough credit for being able to move on players, which is quite mm-hmm. difficult. No, no, that's that's fair. I, I would agree with that. You have some expensive players that not many people want to pay the wages for, for sure. All right. Um, Speaking of Pogba, go. Well, gosh, I mean, come on, just enough of it let's rip the band-aid off whatever it's it's lost money van de beek is is twice the player he is you know let's go come on don't think that's last statement is true but i do agree <laughs> <laughs> i mean i gotta i gotta stir the pot here yeah but like I w- you know i look at i look at today right and it's like the 61st or sorry from the 46th minute to the 76th minute i mean he makes five five changes and he brings on paul pogba brings on cavani brings on greenwood Brings on, for that matter, Fosu Mensa, and it's just nothing. Nothing changed, right? They were down two one, and I don't know. I don't know. Glow. I haven't seen enough. I love a good Norwegian manager. The Norwegians are great. Um, <laughs> and uh, what's his name? The chess champion. He's like killing it in FPL. Of course he is. He's also yeah. so well. Love Norwegians. We both love the Foot Mob app, also designed by Norwegians. But you know what? I think he. As you said yourself, if he's coming into his own, but he's at Manchester United for all the glitz and glamour that you guys withhold, I don't know. I, I think I think you guys got to I think go everyone just marquee. needs to stop co- comparing Manchester United, the one we have now, to the one that's in their head, which is uh, hey, Ferguson's Manchester Glow, United. Glow, I will do that when Manchester United fans, not you per se, but like when <laughs> Manchester fans stop saying that they're like the god's gift to mankind i will I do not think we are <laughs> well there you go but you're maybe a more hum- humble well-rounded but i fan. think that's continuously so even when i listen to analysis they're like this is not what manchester united is i'm just like you're referring to a team that's 10 just like 10 years ago and that's so unrealistic and again i know like habits are hard to beat especially if sure. you had a team that was so great and dominant for so long it's hard to not look at it through that lens but yes. like you need to treat this Manchester United team as a truly like high mid table well, like top to six contending you team you as their spokesperson because okay put it this way you know, little 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 bust up not bust up like our, our the team I play on here right Arsenal fan and Man United fan the Man United fan 
wagers 200 bucks that uh, Man United will finish higher in the table than Arsenal this season. What do you think? Is that a good bet or not a good bet? Oh, I think we'll. F- I think we. I think we can finish higher than Arsenal. So I okay. think that's attainable. But like the old Manchester United, you'd be thinking of just like at worst they will get second. You know what I mean? Like you need to adjust like the levels of expectation. And I've been happier since I adjusted those levels of expectation. <laughs> well, look at the beginning of this episode, right? Yeah. You weren't too rattled by that. See, I agree with you. I think we saw that for, let's take, for example, a team like Liverpool, you know, perhaps a, a, a modern day Liverpool of today doesn't sell Luis Suarez. Luis Suarez is at them. He wants to go to the glamour of Barcelona. And they had to like realize that we are not attracting the top signings of the world right now. We have to rebuild our identity. And I think that you're right. I think Manchester United supporters as well need to just embrace that fact that, yeah, you're not, you're not the team that you were. You can get back to that, but stop you know, thinking that everyone in the world wants to go to you right now. Um, you guys need to build up again, uh, maybe some youth, maybe some, you know, li- the likes of Rashford, Greenwood, these types of players, I think, you know, and really put your faith in them. Let them develop. Yeah, and I actually think that's something that Ole is doing. I think he's done fantastic things with the academy players and ushering them through. But that being said, I I mean, I guess it's, it's tricky if you're the actual head of PR for Manchester United. It's They have to play the fake it till you make it. I'm just like, yeah, we're definitely the greatest club ever. Oh, what? can't stand that. But like, I don't, I, how can you say that about... Um... Well, I agreed with you about Ole and playing the youth, but then all of a sudden you guys tried so hard to sign Sancho. It's like, play Greenwood on the right wing. Let him play. Um, Let him be your starting right winger. Do I don't think he Sancho. should. Be, yeah, I don't think he should be the starting right winger just because he's so young and so unproven. And to go back to like the pressure and expectations of being um, a United player, I think for him to develop, he also needs like good competition. And I also think Greenwood would actually end up playing in the middle, like more. Oh, as as more of a proper center forward. Exactly. Yeah, so okay. I think depth is always good, and Too that was actually a signing that made sense to me in terms of like Greenwood is great, but he is also truly still eighteen. He might be nineteen now, and has like he he has more probably less Premier League appearances than he is old. You know. Mm-hmm. Please and, just don't do another Phil Foden. I can't stand the fact <laughs> I have him in my FPL team. You know, Pep keeps saying, what did he say two years ago? Best player I've ever seen. Oh, Best God. player yeah. I've ever managed. He, I can't get a... Like, well, he's getting more minutes now because David Silva left. But it is so frustrating when it's like you have this top talent. Oh. Just play the guy. Gosh. Yeah, Pep really... Like, the paper, the Pep rotation squad oh. makes it so tricky to pick any players from him. And it's like, what, my dude... Just call me. Let me know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, this has been fun, Glow. Okay, so fair enough. Ole in, you say give him more time. Uh, I like what you're saying about Manchester United. I wish uh, more fans had that level-headedness. I, I feel, to be frank, I don't hear that usually. But um, I, I would say Ole out. But hey, let's see how that prediction goes by the end of the season. Let's like let's see if you can't win that game in hand and climb back up the table. Where do you finish this year, Glow? Where do you think you finish? Um, I actually think we finished top four again this year. Okay. Even even without all like dooms talk being said, I'm still optimistic. I can't okay. tell whether I'm like optimistic based on facts or I just need to be optimistic because everything in this year has sucked. So okay. <laughs> TBD. No, <fair> <laughs> so top four, who misses out? Um, 
also TBD. Sure. I'm, I'm uh, Arsenal. There we go. She said it. Uh, she don't said come it, for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I put my neck on the line more often here. That's been fun. And, uh, you know, hey, at the end of the day, um, that's why we do this. It's it's good to it's good to just get our thoughts out and um, have a bit of banter. All right, thank you, uh, thank you for joining me again for yet another episode. You'll be back very soon, listeners. Thank you for giving us another go. We hope to hear from you. Um, send in any questions you'd like read on, for our sidelines sides, and any feedback that you have. Yeah, and for any new listeners, uh, thank you again for your support. Please follow us on uh, Instagram and Twitter. And also, please send us your feedback if you want any topics covered. We'd love to hear about it. And also, check back into the previous episodes. There are some uh, some episodes in there that uh, are special topics about different things. As we mentioned, you know, for example, Turkish football, Romanian football is covered. Uh, Glow's uh, story of being a Man United fan. Myself, as a Sunderland supporter, love to hear your, your feedback and check us out. And also... Thanks to all the previous guests. Uh, great work, and thank you for, for coming on the, ep- on the pods with us. All right, you had to hear. Have a great evening. I'll guess. <laughs> I don't know. Time doesn't Lunchtime. make any sense. <laughs> yeah, <exactly>. Stay safe. <laughs> we'll talk Take to care. you soon.